Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson today. Thank you so much for joining us here on this wonderful Wednesday afternoon. If you'd like to participate in the show, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We're live here on WYSL until 2 p.m. So give us a call anytime before then. And, uh... Yeah, you know, we're uh, we're also streaming live on the uh, Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, Free Solution uh, group, and the Kevin Wilson pages as well, if you're listening there. Appreciate you. Leave your, leave your comments if you'd like to participate in the conversation. And today, we've we got a few different topics that we could talk about. So you know, I'm going to start out talking about a, a federal policy. It's uh, something that's important to me. It's, a, it's related to freelancers and independent contractors. So we'll talk about that, uh, you know, and then maybe if we get a chance, we'll talk about uh, a few other things such as uh, some local news related to Police Accountability Board. There's also uh, some international news that we could talk about. Uh, I haven't done anything on Ukraine and Russia in a, in a couple of weeks now, so might talk about that a little bit more, too. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll start out with the Biden administration uh Putting out some new rules, they're they're still in like the the comment period, right? Putting out some new rules related to uh, freelancing and independent contractors, and th- to give you some background on this, uh, basically the argument goes like this: the the uh, companies like like Uber, like Lyft, like DoorDash, like Grubhub, uh, like you know, uh, plus a, a whole number of other places, like employers generally uh, have these independent contractors that can pick up work and, and go and do their thing. Right. Um, and the accusation from labor folks and from, uh, the Biden administration, from folks in California who've, uh, criticized this type of employment arrangement is that it ends up taking advantage of the employees who participate in this type of program that, uh, these, these, uh, contractors who get involved with these companies are effectively doing the work of employees and employers are just getting away with not giving employees consistent hours with giving them benefits uh in other uh stuff associated with being just a regular full-time employee right and you know including like having their their taxes taken out and their payroll all that type of stuff right so that that's what the accusation is so to crack down on what these folks legitimately or not see as uh, a way to circumvent the the employment system and to circumvent giving employees benefits uh, and consistency and all that. They want to add in several new tests to determine if someone is actually an employee versus an independent contractor. Now, this isn't this is something that's newer at the federal like they, this has already been a thing at the federal level it's just an expansion of of tests that already existed there there's a rule that was in place from the Trump administration uh that we'll talk about in a sec but but 
this is something that's been going on at the state level for a while too. There's you know rules and definitions within New York State. There's rules and definitions within in California that I had to get to know um, at, at one point in time and. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, in, in California, they have this AB5 thing, right? If you, you hire someone, they have to go through a series of tests, and those tests include things like, is this employee uh, doing something that is also – or is this contractor doing something that is done by uh, – other regular full-time employees, right? So if you have like other employees at the organization who are doing this thing and they're doing some work for you full-time, then they should probably be an employee, not a not an independent contractor, right? Uh, and uh, desire to ask, like, were they doing this as an independent contractor? Were they doing this work as a freelancer before this? Or were they doing something else and now you've hired them as an independent contractor for a job that would otherwise be considered an employee, right? Um, and can they control their own hours? Which I think that that's a that's a fair one, right? Like you know, are are they evaluated on whether or not they show up and you know work nine to five, or are they evaluated on you know whether or not they get certain things done, right? Like the, you you have certain deliverables you need to get. You know, like I worked in digital marketing, you need to get, uh, you know, this image created for us by this time. Okay, that's a deliverable, and what time you work on it is none of the company's business. You know, if you want to go and you feel like you work best at 3 a.m., that's your prerogative as long as you have that thing done by the date that you promised the deliverable, right? Um, and and a, lot of, a lot of people like that arrangement. Again, I, I've worked in digital marketing. I've been a freelancer before. I've had contracts with companies where I might have a deliverable on like a, you know, a set of ad campaigns and, and assets associated with those, right? And I, I like that, you know, because again, if I want to go and do something in the middle of the day, like, you know, <laughs> go on the radio or want to, you know, meet up with friends or whatever, I had the flexibility to be able to do that when I was a freelancer. Uh, I can go and just just do those things when, whenever I felt, as long as I got uh, the stuff to my client when I needed to do that. And it would have been absurd to do that with uh, as an employee. It wouldn't have made sense for those organizations to hire an individual employee. Uh, they couldn't afford an agency for the work that I did, so I contracted with them as a freelancer. It was an arrangement that made sense. And that sort of arrangement is something that's uh, a little under attack. Again, there's there's a pretty clear definition. If you have a whole bunch of different clients, uh, it, it's pretty clear where uh, you're an independent contractor, you're a freelancer, you can make that thing. You know, hey, I'm doing this as a business, not just with one employee, but with a bunch. It gets murkier when all of your revenue or most of your revenue is really coming from one source. And that's what this aims to, to crack down on, right? Um, is that those folks like, the Uber drivers, the Grubhub drivers, uh, uh, the DoorDash folks, you know, any of those type of, uh, of like independent contractor jobs. And then, again, there's some organizations too, uh, some em em employer organizations who will like say, hey, we're going to contract you for 30 hours a week. We're going to keep you on retainer and do your thing. You know, and at, at that point in time, are you just an employee? And again, the – the whether or not that is a benefit from you for you is something that you need to decide because it does impose a cost on on a company to make someone an employee versus a independent contractor 
independent contractor, you just, you know, 1099, you get them the money, and then how they pay their taxes, how they do all that stuff, uh, how they manage their benefits, that's all on them. They they get to figure that out. And then you don't have to, again, have that person show up in an office necessarily. Maybe you could use that, but you don't have to keep track of their time. All you got to do is you're paying them on the deliverables. Very clear cut. Employee, again, Got to keep track of that time. You have to set up payroll for them, pay the taxes for them, which can be expensive in a lot of places. You have to um, set up benefits for them in some places. Uh, it ends up being a, a whole thing. So so a lot of employers will be like, hey, we're going to bring this person in to accomplish this specific job, and that job might take a couple months and be almost a full-time thing. But they're also free to go and get other work during that time and make other arrangements and work on their own time, and that works for us as long as they can you know, show up to certain meetings and talk about stuff, right? Again, in the fields I work with, that's important. And, and that's, that's really the, the crux of like how the, the existing rules around contractors work. It's like at, at who has the power in this relationship to set time? Right. You, you come to a mutual agreement on what you're going to do. I'm going to do this work and deliver the results of this work at this time. And, and you could say that across marketing software, uh, even something like Uber. Like, when are you going to show up and do this work um, as as like a driver in those types of situations? You, you get to pick the time and place you want to do that. If you're an employee and then uh, folks need to make arrangements Companies need to make arrangements about, okay, who's going to show up when and what time and how much are they getting paid and blah, blah, blah. And can you have changing incentives for what this person's getting paid? You have to at least deal with minimum wage at that point. It starts to become far more complicated, especially in these arrangements where you have a dynamic of uh, of trying to encourage folks to jump in and meet demand in changing situations. You can't always plan for these things. So what do you do is you, you incentivize folks with the, the driver situation and other situations. Hey, we'll, we'll pay you a little bit more if you show up at this time and at this place. That's how we do that. But those types of inconsistent arrangements aren't allowed when you're an employee. And I'll get to this comment on Facebook. Uh, uh, Gene says, I'm an Uber driver. It's become increasingly expensive and difficult to make enough profit lately. Yeah, and, and Uber, if they want to survive, is going to need to adjust what they do in order to keep drivers like you. And I, like it's it's kind of becoming an issue in in, in Rochester included, like to, to be able to consistently find drivers because some folks are like, well, if I'm paying for my own gas and you're only giving me this much, it's not worth it. Well, then they can change the conditions and decide to make it a little bit different. Maybe incentivize you to show up. Maybe make it enough so you can actually make a profit. All right, thanks again for joining us here on The Free Solution. Uh, give us a call at 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. If you'd like to participate in the show, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network 
safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Hey, this is Kevin Wilson, host of A Free Solution. You ever need a tool for just one project, but didn't want to spend the cash for something you'd use just once or twice? Well, there's a new tool library in Rochester where you can borrow just the thing you need instead of buying a new one. It's called the Tool Shed from the Southeast Area Coalition, and membership starts at just $25 a year. Use it for home projects or to support your business. Learn more and become a member at seektoolshed.org. That's S-E-A-C toolshed.org. Available in the WISL store at WISL1040.com. Official top quality tees, hoodies, and coffee mugs depicting the colorful WISL logo or the already famous Mount Worstmore line of merch depicting Mount Rushmore style are for worst presidents. Of course, you know who is front and center up on that mountain. WISL official items make perfect gifts, or they're a great way for you to make a personal statement. Locally produced and sold only in the WISL store at WISL1040.com. A free solution on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us here on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Uh, sounds like we have a caller on the line. Keith. Keith's on the line. Hey, Keith. Welcome back to A Free Solution. What's on your mind? Uh, yes, sir. I want to extend this beyond your very good comments about trucking into the trades. Uh, I think uh, my crystal yeah. ball says that people in the future are going to be less concerned about time because uh, so many of our young people are being pushed wrongfully into college. Uh, a lot of our tradespeople are retiring, and uh, my crystal ball says that people are going to have to be waiting longer in the future for carpenters and electricians, so the time factor will we become less uh, adamant on the part of the client uh, what's going to uh, be uh, needed, because uh, there still are very good workers out there, are uh, the two uh, items of reliability and self-reliance. Uh, reliability, getting there on time, within a reasonable time, so hopefully the client is not kept waiting for a carpenter, or electrician, plumber. But I want, if, not, if your audience gets nothing out of this conversation with me, it's uh, the trades are badly in need of replacements. Uh, our people are retiring. Uh, I myself turned 67 this year. That's what happens, unfortunately, when you're born in 1955. We are not getting those replacements, and if people don't want to wait that extra time, uh, they're going to have to e even um, negotiate, really, uh, in the future with uh, companies that provide these tradespeople. They just are not going to be on hand. The replacements are not coming in. It takes uh, time for anyone to be brought up to speed on their uh, given skill. So uh, I understand what you're saying about trucking, but um, I hear in closing, I hear more about uh, where, where you have had experience in the trucking field and less in the trades. And maybe uh, the Libertarian Party, uh, maybe I shouldn't mention this because they were the bad guys in World War II, but after the war, Germany had trade schools. They realized in the 40s and 50s exactly yeah. that. Not everyone could go on to college, 
Germany uh, had quite good trade skill, schools in the 50s, and we need that. We are not having those replacements as our people retire. And, uh, again, for all of you listening who think in the future you're casually going to get a carpenter or electrician, I think you might want to guess again that you're going to, it's going to take time. And so um, I would really encourage you, Mr. Wilson and your fellow libertarians, to get the word out. We need tradespeople. We need reliable, self-reliant people in trucking. But it's across the board. The replacements are not coming in. Yeah. No, Keith, you make you make a lot of good points on that. You know, it's 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 trucking, it's marketing, it's it's uh, uh, driving, it's it's uh, all sorts of stuff, right? And 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 the trade school thing, like we do in New York, have like a network of trade schools that that students can take in high school, like they do like BOCES programs, right? Like it's a thing that exists. It's just that probably not taken advantage of as as much as uh, it could be, and 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 a lot of students still, you know do end up going to college afterwards um, and pursuing different careers. And I, I have several friends who did that. They went through a Brosis program but then did something else. Uh, and that's that's fine too. But a lot of students probably still don't realize that they could do that and go right into a career. And there's a lot of opportunity. As you said, like just casually ske- scheduling some, some uh, housework type of stuff is, is not – possible it is very difficult to do to find someone who's going to be able to immediately jump in and fix something there's such a demand for this type of work out there and unfortunately a shortage of that and and that could be you know an interesting thing too right it, it's the same sort of thing where you do have some folks who work with contracting companies who might be independent contractors who get brought in when there's extra work and it's going to be interesting to see what type of arrangements end up getting upended by this type of regulation too. It's it's unintended consequences of this regulation, and and I say that all the time is, it doesn't matter if the intent of this is to protect workers who you know might not get overtime protection. Sometimes the 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 actual result of that is to make it more difficult for workers to be able to connect with employee employers who may not want to hire them full time but only want to hire them part time and you know as an independent contractor they're working for multiple places that's fine that's an arrangement that makes sense for them um and this could create some lawsuits could create some difficult situations or not even it doesn't even have to be lawsuits just worry of lawsuits uh employers who will get conservative cuz they're like yeah you know actually I don't want to touch that Right. I don't I don't I that comes a little bit too close to the line and I want to get sued if I'm wrong. I, I want to get in trouble for that. Uh, so I've, I've seen it happen before. Um, uh, anything else to add there, Keith, if you're, you're still on the line? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, my final comment has to do with salary uh, without understating college earnings. If you go to college, you could, I guess, because I didn't go except for one year in central Kentucky. You can uh, maybe get 70k if you're a college graduate. Now, I want parents to listen to this in closing. If you have your child go into the trades, believe it or not, they could get a six-figure salary, not wage salary. They go to college, they get 70k. You go into the trades, 125k. Really, parents, 125k. Your child into the trades. Why send them to college with a huge added expense? of uh, maybe they become like a museum curator and can't find a job in that chosen field. There's always work, parents, in the trades. We need you. uh, Don't uh, buy into the college rap uh, that you have to send your child. The problem in closing with a lot of our young people, uh, very simply, uh, they don't want to get their hands dirty. They're used to playing with their electronic gadgets. But for those young people who will work, 125K, in 
in the trades in trucking, but in trades that I know of, versus only 70k for your average college grad. Please, parents, in closing, aim your children for the trades. Uh, they will thank you once they get through their training and w- once they see how much they love the work. Please, parents, aim aim your children in a trade work. Thank you very much. Bye. Yeah. No, thank you so much for the call, Keith. And again, uh, for I know the folks listening online didn't weren't able to catch all that call. So just, just to summarize, you know, Keith saying that there's a there's a lot of economic opportunity by going into the trades, right? That's that's a uh, an area where a lot of uh, kids who are going into middle school and the high school, you know, could be taken advantage of. And it isn't always the best trade off for all kids to go to college. And, and and I've talked about this on shows before. Tim and I did did a couple longer shows on this too on our Thursday evening show. Uh, yeah, no, that's that, that is a a great point. Is again, it's not always if, if you go to if you go to college and and you you get a very narrow specific degree and aren't able to effectively apply those skills elsewhere you're probably not going to be better off, especially since you have the opportunity cost of not working those first four years after college. You have the opportunity cost of not being able to save and invest because you're paying off your college loans. Uh, There's a a significant trade-off there. I think in in some situations, if you plan it right, college is still absolutely worth it. But Again, there's there's a ton of opportunity in in some of those trades right now, and that's that's, worth taking a look at if, if you're a young person who's just getting started with their career. Um, and you know, Keith had also brought up like the idea of truckers too. I, di- I didn't touch on this enough in the in the first uh, segment, but like uh, specifically independent contractors for like trucking and logistics, that is a huge, huge part of how our stuff gets to stores right now. Right? It's it's not it's not always just um, you know uh, trucking companies who have employees who work for them and do their thing. They they fill a lot of gaps with uh, independent contractors who may own their own uh, rig and are able to make sure that these trucking companies can effectively deliver on the contracts and making sure that uh, these docks are able to effectively unload all the goods, that there's enough stuff there. And that's a big problem in California right now where it's a little bit unclear if uh, some of these independent contractors who are working with uh, trucking companies who are contracted to to unload some of these docks uh, in, in certain places are going to have to be treated as employees instead of independent contractors now. And a lot of them just they don't want to they don't want to do that. They don't want to be employees. They don't want to be tied down to any specific organization, even if they're getting the majority of their work from one place. They want the flexibility, the freedom, the option to go elsewhere if they need be and then still not burn that bridge and still take some jobs and and, and, uh, contracts with other folks. So that's Again, I don't know what everyone's situation is. Joe Biden certainly doesn't know what everyone's situation is, uh, and not even the, the the companies and the employers know what everyone's situation is. That That's the, the good part about allowing freedom, right, is that you cannot possibly know. There, there's a knowledge problem. You cannot possibly know what is the best arrangement for all people. You can recognize that there are situations where employers take advantage of folks who are, are naive or unaware of what their freelance situation is means for them and what they're giving up by not being an employee. It certainly could happen. But by creating too big of a prohibition on these sort of arrangements, they end up making life difficult and worse for folks. Again, so many, like every single industry in some respect has someone who does this sort of thing for them. There are all sorts of vendors and contractors and whatnot who might get caught up in this and 
the the process of hiring a full-time employee just wouldn't happen. It would just mean that some stuff just doesn't get done, that employee never gets hired, that that work never happens, that that value is never delivered. It's – again, it, it, this is what government does all the time. Good, good, consequent, good intentions do not necessarily mean that you're going to have – good consequences. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to implement this thing. It's going to work perfectly and no one's going to get hurt and there's not going to be any downside to this thing. It could be a significant downside. And that, that's my argument against this type of stuff. And I, I, I don't know if I have time to get into the specifics of what this requires right now, but it's, you know, it, there's, there's all sorts of uh, negative downstream effects that a lot of people making regulations either don't consider. I don't. I, I don't know if it's uh, malicious. I, like I'm usually not uh, in favor of that. I don't think they want to intentionally destroy the economy. Uh, that's not where I am. I, I usually think it's incompetence. I usually think it's or or, or cynicism. Like, oh, we're gonna do this thing and it's all gonna be fine and great and my voter base is gonna be happy and don't worry about what's gonna happen next. It's gonna be fine. Don't even don't even think about it. That's how I think things go. All right, thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show, 585-346-3000, 585-346-3000. Talk to you soon. Solution on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us here on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Give us a call, 585 346 3000. If you'd like to participate in the show, we're live here on WYSL until 2 p.m. Of course, thank you to the folks listening online on the Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, Free Solution group and the Kevin Wilson page and Twitter account, wherever you're listening today. Appreciate y'all being here. And we're talking about uh, the the new rules coming out of the uh, Department of Labor. Right? Like I said, there's like a, it's unpublished changes to the rules. It's open for a public comment period. So like maybe they'll back down. We'll see. But this is something that's going to be a, a thing of the Biden administration for a while. They've talked about it. There's also the uh, the bill that came out um, as well, uh, recently that tried to do something similar and, and now that we're seeing, uh, these regulations come through the, the department of labor as well. Right. So again, they, they, they use these different factors to determine, um, you know, what, uh, what, whether, uh, that, that someone is, is considered a, a independent contractor versus employee. And, and these are things like, you know, uh, opportunity for profit or loss, right? Like, can you, by showing up to work, um, make money or lose money in that process, right? And that's, that's what you get with, uh, independent contractors. Like if you're, if you're a freelancer, like again, in the field that I, I worked in, right? If I, as an independent business owner, spent too much money on someone's ad campaign, I, I would take the loss for that, right? Like that's 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 part of that. I, I overinvested in something or I made a mistake. I take the loss for that. And in an employee re- employer relationship, I wouldn't necessarily do that. It would it would get covered by the the, the company. Um, 
just to name one example, and this again, uh, whether it's time, you know, uh, expenses with the use of a personal vehicle or whatever, you know, there's there's a risk of loss in in being um, independent, right? Uh, investment in that same thing, you know, have you invested in different tools of whether or not you've uh, become independent or is the employer providing all the tools for you, right? And sometimes it might still make sense, right? You might get a you know, a job in, in marketing or software or whatever where the, the employer's like, hey, we're, we're giving you the laptop and all the equipment because, like, we need you to use this stuff. And when you do our work, we need you to do it here for security reasons or whatever, right? It's kind of tricky. Uh, permanency, how long are you doing it? What's the – is there a, a date when your contract ends, you know, or is it an indefinite open contract? It could go either way. I've had, you know, contracts that are kind of open-ended, and I've had contracts that are like, hey, you're going to do this for three months and then we'll reevaluate, right? So it can go either way with this. Again, it, the, the overweighting any of these factors. And, and they're supposed to consider the totality of all this experience. And, and the Trump administration essentially said, like, well, we're only going to consider uh, mostly the profit or loss and control of uh, by the employer over the worker, right? Like whether or not the uh, uh, worker is uh, – is able to set their own hours and do their own thing, uh, or whether and, and and have things be based on deliverables, or whether or not the um, the individual is required to show up at a specific place and time for certain hours, <laughs> etc. And um, the other one is whether the work is integral part of the employer's business, right? So you know if it's if you lost that independent contractor, it would be a big deal to that business. And this is this is one of the ones I think um, you know is going to be a big deal for the uh, the the driving companies, um, uh, like ride sharing companies and stuff. Like, all right, yeah, that work is an integral part of the employer's business, right? Like that's part of the business model. But again, that's an arrangement that a lot of people want. And if you don't like it, you can step away, go to a competing company, not do that work. But again, I, I have lots of people close to me who are doing that sort of stuff just to pick up extra cash because they want to be able to do that when they feel up for it. Um, and then uh, skill and initiative is the other part of it. Again, you know, what what unique skills are they bringing to that position? So again, it's interesting to see the Biden administration like crack down on this stuff and it, it it really get, as I was kind of talking about at the, in the last segment, it really gets down to that core issue among politicians of you know why why are they doing this right? What what do they think they're accomplishing by by imposing a rule like this? Maybe they genuinely think that they're helping, right? Like hey, we're we're just trying to look out for our employees. That's on brand, right? That's on brand for the virtue signaling that the the Biden administration wants to do, uh, and. But to me, I, I don't – again, I don't think it's malicious in the sense that like we want to hurt these companies. We want to hurt these people. I think it's I think it's incompetence and it's short-sightedness that, that explains a lot of political behavior. It's, hey, we want to we wanna accomplish this goal. We want to help workers. We want to protect workers who may theoretically be abused by employers taking advantage of independent contractor arrangements, right? And then they'll go find a handful of examples and try to apply those to every situation, even though there is a, a multitude, a, a near infinite number of arrangement types with independent contractors across the country. Uh, so they, they overapply a, a, a edge case situation to the entire country and to, to millions of, of workers who 
are happy with their arrangements. Uh, and then they don't see those downstream consequences. You know, again, they, they think they're protecting workers, but a lot of times, again, it's it's people who are, you know, are moms who are trying, who, people who uh, have found it difficult to get other full-time work. It's people who like their independence and freedom. Those folks are going to get hurt by this. What ends up happening in a lot of these big government one-size-fits-all programs is that you, you over-apply that lesson. Again, not just the abusive edge cases. You, you over-apply the lesson, and you end up hurting the exact people that you think that you're protecting. Again, a lot of folks want and like these arrangements, and it may not be possible for many of them anymore. And what ends up happening is we don't get the we could end up not getting the actual value out of the situation if it's more difficult for ride sharing services to effectively hire and meet peak demand uh, that they can't exactly predict in some of these situations. So they have to be able to act dynamically to to adjust to the circumstances of, of whatever situation they're in. We, we just, it may mean we just don't get those services that, that we've kind of started to get used to now. And, and I think that's a shame. I, I, and, and again, a lot of folks who work in my field, who work freelance jobs, who do their thing, even if they get 80% of their work from one person, cool. Like that's, that's what they want to do. That's what they're in business for. And applying rigorous tests in these situations that disrupt a voluntary relationship is a problem. And, and that's the big thing too. It's, it's a matter of whether or not that's voluntary. Because if you're in a situation and you're an independent contractor and you feel like you're in a bad relationship with uh, someone who is, is contracting with you, you, you could always cut it off. You could always just not do that thing. There are there's so many places, as, you know, as Keith said earlier, specific to trades, but like really it applies. There are so many employers who like need people. They need good folks, yet you have some options out there. If you don't feel like that independent contractor arrangement is, is worth it, just you can find something else. You can find someone with a, a, an employer-employee relationship. Those things are, are out there a lot. And, and if you can't find that type of relationship, then aren't you glad you're able to, to get these contracts? I don't know. That's that. That's how I feel about this. Is you know, I, again, having having done this a little bit before, and and there are parts about it that I like. There are parts about it that I didn't like. You know, it's it's terrifying being out on your own. Sometimes you're like, oh man, I I've got to get on the phone and get some sales and and start bringing in some new clients and fill that pipeline. You know, otherwise I'm not going to make enough money to pay my bills. That that can be tough. That can be terrifying. But a lot of folks love it, and it works well for them. And they have like the flexibility to be able to live the lifestyles that they live in. And that's, I think that's going to be part of what the future looks like. If the government doesn't interfere with this, it's going to be a lot more ad hoc employee uh, uh, relationships with different companies. The companies like it, a lot of individuals like it. And again, if you don't like it, there, there are folks out there who can have that arrangement that you want. But if people are trending this direction because they want the flexibility and the freedom that allows them to do what they want to do, then why interfere with it? Why interfere with it other than trying to score political points with your base, which is what I think this gets back to is they're trying to get their base excited for the midterm elections. I think I think it's a lot about that. Just, hey, this this speaks well to unions who, who are very much in for <laughs> very much in favor of uh, regulating uh, independent contractor arrangements because that doesn't benefit them. It's It's something that. Progressive Democrats, folks on the left who are, are are different types of labor advocates really want, again, despite the fact that the workers themselves in many situations like these types of arrangements, 
that's what they want to do. But it gins up your base. It gets folks excited. Uh, and hopefully they'll show up in, in November is, is what I think the Biden administration is, is counting on with, with moves like this. Hate to sound cynical about it. Just, just, just that's what I see here. All right. So I think, I think we're going to close off that topic unless uh, we get another call. I'll, I'll move on to, I'll decide if I want to talk about a local issue or international issue. Both extremes here. Uh, but give us a call if you want to participate in the show. Weigh in on this, especially if you are have thoughts on it, being an independent contractor. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back here on a free solution in just a few minutes. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals but don't take my word for it they've won the best in rochester eight years in a row and have an a-plus better business bureau rating if your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals give the professionals at simple tech innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182 that's 585-200-3182 simple tech innovations As a veteran of the United States military, I can finally get the opportunity to enjoy special events, things that we couldn't afford, thanks to Vectix. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can give our veterans a special event where they, too, can create their own cherished memories. Visit VetTix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. Getting podcasts of your favorite WYSL shows is easier and better than ever. Use your favorite device, PC, mobile, or tablet to visit WYSL1040.com. Simply click on the podcast tab to select, listen, download, and share instantly. Works great with any wireless device. No additional apps are necessary. Podcasts of all our local shows are easier to access and play, so share them with your friends. And thanks for listening anywhere, anytime to the Voice of Liberty, the WYSL stations. A free solution on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to a free solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for a day. We're live here on WYSL until 2 p.m. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or leave your comments online. We're streaming on that free solution Facebook page, free solution YouTube channel, free solution group, the Kevin Wilson page, Kevin Wilson Twitter account, wherever you're listening today. Appreciate y'all being here. Appreciate y'all, you know, taking part in the show. And, uh, you know, I I think I'm going to talk about some of the international stuff because it's interesting. Uh, the... Uh, the the new thing coming out like that came out this morning. You know, we could talk we could talk about the uh, Ukraine Russia stuff. Maybe I'll save that for my my Thursday show um, with Tim. We usually do a show Thursday evenings. Tim O'Connor online only. So we'll we'll talk about that stuff then. I want to talk about the the Saudi Arabia thing though because uh, that that's fascinating. That the Biden administration is apparently mad that uh, Saudi Arabia worked with Russia to cut oil production, keep. Uh, oil prices artificially high, right? So uh, they're part of OPEC, um, and uh, 
the uh, was an organization of petroleum exporting countries, right? So they're part of OPEC, and, they, and it's basically an international cartel to control oil prices so that they can make sure that they're uh, able to maintain profitability um, even when there's different changes in demand, et cetera, right? So they can, they, they don't uh, – because most of these uh, – the, the OPEC um, members are – you know, state-owned oil systems. That's what you know. Saudi Aramco is. That's what was it? I don't think it's Gazprom. It, there, there's a, a Russian state-owned oil company, right? Uh, so they, they want to do this so they can make a bunch of money off of like higher demand for this, which is going to raise gas prices. Uh, and yeah, Joe Biden is understandably panicked about that too because people vote based on gas price. Uh, and he could do stuff about domestic production. He could do that, but uh, he's, he's going to be mad about this. But in terms of him actually reevaluating the relationship with Saudi Arabia, uh, that's overdue. Uh, we, I wish every president uh, would would have considered that at any point in time. Saudi Arabia is a bad country. It just it just is like they, like their government is like absolutely despicable and evil. And we send them weapons and go and shake their hands and they they do stuff like they murder journalists. They behead dissenters, they, uh, you know, uh, kill gay people in their country. They're waging just a brutal, awful, devastating war in Yemen. Like they, they are just a truly horrific and ugly government and not, not, not necessarily people there, but their government is just, just awful. And not to mention that their government is kind of sort of implicated in the, the September 11th attacks. Like it's, it's like a thing, right? Like we just don't talk about that enough, and and yet we are we are sending them weapons just constantly, sending <laughs> sending them weapons and aid and, and all sorts of stuff. Like they they do not deserve it. So my my hope is that that some change actually happens here, right? Um, you know, he so so Biden is saying he's. Uh, Looking at retaliatory members because of the cut in oil production, you know, not not any of the other stuff. It's again just just about the resources, right? Like we're gonna cozy up to Saudi Arabia and Venezuela and all these other countries because we, we can't get our oil. <laughs> we we need to get the oil from somewhere, so we make all these excuses for these terrible regimes that that prop up like getting awful awful folks um, who abuse their populations. There's there's plenty of good reasons to to get rid of. You know Saudi Arabia, and, and I'm I'm just gonna have to say I, I I'm glad that there is an excuse, I suppose. Um, and again, he's talking about halting mass arms sales. Like, good, good. You know that's that's something that is way overdue. Why are we sending these folks to to? Why are we? Why is the U.S. government paying money and or allowing you know companies to sell stuff to Saudi Arabia uh, to? commit what is essentially a genocide in Yemen. Like it's 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 a bad, bad situation over there. And there's there's blood on the hands of so many American presidents uh right now because of their kind of complicity in that, uh because of their their willingness to to look the other way when some of this stuff is happening. To be buddy buddy with folks as part of uh as part of, you know, as part of uh, getting oil. Um and I know, you know, I don't, I don't want to exactly pay more for gas either. But I said the same thing about like, uh, you know, Russian natural gas and oil and stuff like that. It's there, there's a trade-off to be had. Like either we need to find different ways of doing this thing, 
well, really, that's it. Like, we we need to find different ways of of, of supplying energy needs. Um, and I'm I'm fine with the idea of importing foreign oil. Like, like I have no problem with American companies buying from Canada. Like, that's fine with me. But when you're specifically propping up the governments of some of these nasty countries, like Russia and Venezuela and Saudi Arabia. Yeah, like I, I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't like that. That's where folks feel they need to go. And there's again, there's complications with corporations making their own deal and that uh, world supply of oil and things like that. But if we can get the stuff in different places in the meantime, right? There's you know, there's uh, different places in Northern Europe, Canada, within the United States itself, where we can and ought to be getting supplies of oil, and then moving away from that as like an energy source too. There's, this isn't a green argument. This is a, like a nuclear power argument too. Like, Hey, if we can not burn oil and, and, and switch over to nuclear in other situations, if we don't, you know, if it isn't profitable to, to make arrangements to buy natural gas from other places, great. Like let's, let's get it here and, and like move off dependence in the meantime. Sounds like we have a caller in line though. Charles from uh, Henrietta. Charles. Hey, how are you? Doing great, Charles. Hey. What's on your mind? Okay, uh, going on with this uh, whole oil thing, um, I've been saying it for years, and actually there's a book out. If you can uh, quickly write it down or look into it later, you can all, you can look it online or you can order it uh, through Amazon. Um, the Emperor Wears No Clothes, and it's, it's based on marijuana, uh, pretty much talks about, and they make a wager in the back of the book, too. Uh, if you can prove any of his theories wrong, he'll give you $100,000. Um, it, everything that oil can do, hemp can do, and that's including, you know, running our, our auto wheels. Um, and we could be growing yeah. our fuel at the same time. An acre of hemp does the same amount of uh, eating the CO2 in the air as an acre of trees. Um, so we could be cleaning the air at the same time, producing our own energy. So the, the the book is what the emperor wears no clothes and 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 you're you're saying that we could supply a lot of the uh, like the energy needs that are provided by oil so like a a, a biofuel for instance from yeah. from hemp. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean it's uh, that might be possible again. It's smarter folks than I are working on it um and uh would be an interesting that if we have an alternative that we can grow here, make commercially viable, and the government won't shut down for ridiculous moralistic reasons, like, yeah, I'm all for it, right? Like, again, anything and everything, as long as it uh, doesn't hurt people or take their stuff, that's, that's kind of how, how I approach these issues. Um, Agreed. Yeah, anything else to add there, Charles? Um, for the moment, no, because I know you're cutting close on time, so I'll save that for another day. All right. Well, hey, th- thanks for the call. Appreciate you calling in and uh, giving us that insight. And you know, I'll have to I'll have to check that out. We'll see. We'll see what that that book says. Emperor has no clothes. And um, yeah, you know, get, get, that that's that's one of the other things that we could do. You know, to to, to Charles's point here is there's there's biofuel technologies, other things like I I think there are good economic and national security reasons to move away from oil dependence, right? Like, again, we, we just, we have a lot of our economy structured around this, like setting aside the environmental concerns, which is like its own thing, but setting aside that, like there there are opportunities for us to be able to provide energy needs in, in a different way. And if, 
if that solution that Trinell's talked about is commercially viable and we're able to do that effectively and provide for a significant portion of uh, American fuel needs. And, you know, we, the one thing America is very, very good at is, is farming. We're, we're good at doing that stuff. And you could get to the point where it, it becomes like its own sort of export, right? If you build the industry around it and it's effective and it makes sense to do so, people can make a profit off of it. Cool. That's great. Let's, you know, let's let's find a way to do that, you know, and, and I just imagine that there's probably a handful of regulations that are making that more difficult and expensive to do, and we'll, we'll need to figure that out. But if politicians want to be serious about solving problems, it's it's like I said, you know, as I said, the, the anything and everything thing, I, I can tie this back to the independent contractors. Politicians don't always know exactly what the solutions are, and and I wish more of them would be humble enough to think that they, they don't have to pick the one-size-fit-all solution to address all of our issues. They just have to allow people to exercise their liberty. They have to allow freedom. And given liberty, creative folks who know things that no person in government could ever possibly know, that they just have a different set of experiences and knowledge and, and resources, can create amazing, amazing things. But we need liberty to do it. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. I'm We'll be back on Monday. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, folks. Take care.